Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOC Podcast. If you own a small shop or work in a small shop, then this is the episode for you. Recorded live from Vision High Tech Training and Expo in Kansas City, Lucas and I sit down with Michael Gunther, the owner of Downtown Auto Service in Crofton, Nebraska, a bustling metropolis of 868 people. Michael discusses the advantages and the struggles of being in a small town, and as we progress in the conversation, he begins to reveal the practices of far too many small town shops. One admission in particular will absolutely floor you. Michael was incredibly forthright and honest, and we think you'll truly appreciate his candor. Before we get started, make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode and check out our content on YouTube. All you have to do is search for ASOG Podcast. And now, here we go. Apprentice at my shop. Yeah, he buys and sells PS5s. Really? And so <laughs> he's the scalper. He's the he's the dirt bag that's like jacking up the price. Do you and get a discount? I I don't want it because I have the PC. Like, what do I need? Well, I'm saying PS5 you get for? a discount. Maybe I'll buy one. He will not give you a discount. He is quite the little entrepreneur. And he's like, I asked him. He's like, well, he goes, <laughs> he cracks me out, dude. He's so funny. He doesn't realize he's being funny, but I, I think it's hilarious because he's super young. He's 20 years old. Uh, and he's a little bit sheltered. He's, uh, his parents were from Mexico, but he grew up here in the U.S. and that, yeah. that kind of And, um, his, his name's Brandon. And we tease him, uh, essentially, who is this person? Who is, who's waving at them? That's weird. Who's, what? what? <laughs> We're recording here. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and when we tease them, we're like, hey, did your parents just, like, find the whitest name you, they could think of? Like, right. they opened up and white boy names, and they said, Brandon. That's it. Because the last name is 
Castillo Tecpan. That's his last whoa, name. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa, there whoa, you whoa. go. There you go. That's the last name, but his first name is Brandon. And his English is not that good. His Spanish, terrible. I just want you He's to know. so screwed. I just want you to know it's probably a good thing he didn't come work for me because I'd still be over here trying to say his last name. Costion Pungingo. Castillo Tecpan. Yeah, I mean, like, come on now. Have y'all met? I have not met Dave. You lucky you, you look super familiar. You do. I don't know why, but you do. No like I've seen you before. Well, I've, like I told Lucas, I've been down here since 09. You were on a live stream for um, uh, AS, um, IGONC. You were. I'm in Nebraska. I now understand. How you was were, I on a live um, stream? Maybe it was for, for Mwaka. I, I don't know. You were definitely on a live stream. I remember you. <laughs> I have He's no like idea. what? <laughs> I have no I'm idea. telling you. I, <laughs> well, it's, there there was something that IOGOC or whatever it is had that I popped into one time. Yeah, so that, that was enough. Be. I remember. Anyway, so he, he <laughs> I go, I go. So where are you getting these PS5s? And he, and he goes, Well, it's it's something called supply and demand. And I'm like, I'm like, go, okay. He goes, there's not a lot of supply and there's a lot of demand. And so I can sell them at a higher price. And I, see, this was a terrible idea that we opened up. A terrible idea. People are trolling you because you've been trolling people. Who? Who did I troll? You troll everyone. I don't troll anybody. You troll me. I don't remember trolling you. Anyway, so he goes, supply and demand. You're just getting distracted. This is a funny story. That's all I'm saying. I'm listening. And you're distracting me from telling the story. This is going to go on for two hours. Me trying to, to get the story out. Talk faster. I got to build up to it. Anyway, I was trying to find out where he was finding the PS5s because they're non available. He's like, oh, you just buy them on eBay. And I'm like, you're not buying them on eBay cheaper and then reselling them on eBay at a higher price. He goes, oh, no, no. You got to wait for them to have some. You got to get a phone call, and it's a friend. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he's got a friend that goes, hey, we just got a shipment in. And so he shows up. He buys five because he's got some cash saved up. He'll buy five at retail, and then he'll sell them. He'll blow through them and then do it again. I just seen on my Facebook feed I had a buddy up in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Had He must have been looking for one for a while, and. Here he's got it in his back seat, buckled in, <laughs> and the post. Thank you, random Facebook person. So See, I think it's just happened. now it's a it's a because nobody can get it. People almost want them more than they would like, have if yeah, they. Yeah, because it you may, can. There's all the games that are on PS5. You can play on PS4, right? All the games. They're they're doing dual releases. So the only benefit you get from a PS5 is the faster load times. That's it. Nothing else. What's the What's the point? I don't get it. I don't think there is one. And now they're available on PC, so you can you can. I I think you, it. I think it is really the hype of it being that right. Like, and we talk about that with shops sometimes, right? Like, don't related you, to shops, we're talking gaming consoles here. No, I mean, seriously, think about it. It can be shops, it can be anything. Like, you charge too low of a price, and it doesn't seem like you're valuable. Everybody mm. wants it, so it's valuable, right? I've gotten more, like, snide comments on my reviews because we're harder to get into than than I ever 
than almost anything else. Like, yeah, people have said we're slow. Or Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Whatever. But it's a consistent theme saying, oh, they must be too busy. I, you know, I had to wait two days for an appointment, or I had to wait a week to get my car back, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, I, I mean, I've been working on my scheduling, and so now it's like, oh, I can get it in next week. And they're like, uh, you can't get it in today? Yeah, I no. mean, I, and, and we've been before like, I'd get it in, but and just something, not, something else would get pushed off. Yeah. Or, or it just didn't get fixed. And then they're upset because it didn't get fixed, and I'd, I'd much rather be up front with them and be like, hey. Yeah. Is going to be then, you know, and if we get to it before then, we get to it before then. I, I, I don't think I have hardly any appointments that are more than a, less than a week out. Like we slowed down in February, like weather hit. Yeah. You have a capacity problem. Like you don't physically have more room, but yeah, we, we don't go more than like two to three days. All right. That's it. What about Unless you? it's on uh, how far out do you book usually? He just had a week and a half. Well, I know, but. I'm asking. I've got I've got one scheduled for the 14th of March. All right. That's, you know, he he's going to be out of town for a few days. So yeah. that's why he called ahead. Right. Otherwise, I don't have nec- this next week filled up. By right. All means. Yeah. Now, so, if I go through everything in my notes, I probably could fill it up, but Right. So we uh you you've kind of got an interesting configuration, interesting setup as far as shop goes. Tell us a little bit about it. I've got four bays. Um, I'm in the back of. I own the whole building. The front, the retail space is rented out to the lumberyard. Okay. For their hardware area and offices, and then I've got four bays. They're divided by two dividing walls. Because the original two bays that were on the building, they had them split with just a, like an eight by eight walkthrough. Yeah. And then I added on a thirty-six by sixty addition after I bought a year after I bought the building. Okay. So there's like a ten by ten walkthrough between the original outside right. wall. 
And so you've decided you're going to go build another shop. Is that right? Is that the game plan? That's the game plan. Right. And what made you want to do that? This is a recurring theme here. I, I feel I like space, and probably a lot of it's just my club, you know, little bit of clutter I have in my shop. Right. Now, I did a one-on-one with Eric the other day, mm-hmm. and he showed me his shop, mm-hmm. and then he told me I have nothing to yeah. complain about. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, like... And even, like, I, I've just watched your tour, your shop, yeah, and I have nothing to complain about. Right. But I guess for me... I just I want more space. And 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 here's the thing about yours is you know we we were literally just talking about the fact that like these other shops until they optimize there's no reason to move and and trying to build something has a whole lot more associated with it than what most people think. Now you're set up a little bit different to where you have some opportunity where it's not going to be as big of a deal. It's not going to be as overwhelming to build something, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, I could build my building tomorrow. Other right. than the aspect, I'd be waiting. You know, probably six months for the building to show up at this point. Right. So you're just buying a prefab like steel building and slapping it on a slab and calling it good. You well, know, I'll finish the inside off. And stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. But yeah, basically, I just go in. And See, in those situations like that where there he's not fighting the city, getting permits, this, that, yeah. and the other, there are spots like that around the country. And like, it kind of makes yeah, sense to build a building. And that, that's where it was unique in his situation is because it wasn't going to be that constant fight. It wasn't going to be a problem to, to mm-hmm. do it. Don't you already own the property or is it yeah. it's family property or something no, like I, that? No, I bought it. I bought it right. last August. Right. So it just, it, I mean, it's there, there were some zoning hoops to jump through. Right. And... Even the zoning administration kind of questions, um, well, what is this zoned? Because right. my town's like 750. Well, we stole, well, we didn't steal, but we copied the zoning regulations from a town of about 1,200. Right. That's within our county. Well, they took them from a town about an hour away that's 25,000. Right. So, like, on my property, I want to do my storage units, my car wash, and my shop. Yeah. And, well, storage units aren't allowed anywhere but in industrial areas according to our zoning regulations. Right. We have no industrial areas. <laughs> That's how you take care of it now, right now, there. Now, same <laughs> as the car wash, they are not allowed anywhere other than industrial areas. Well, the zoning board, they're going to change the storage unit side of it to where they can be in commercial property. Right. And I'll have to get a conditional use permit for the car wash. Right. But then even at that, this is right along the highway. They don't know, well, is it highway commercial or is it just commercial? Because that affects setbacks and all that stuff. So it's, it's just kind of a messed up process, but they want to see stuff happen in town. So, right. So like I can build along like where I want to place my shop on the property, I can build right up to the lot line on the north side. They said, that's fine. Right. Now they wanted a setback on my storage units from the east side because that joint, that line's right next to residential area. Right. Yeah. And, and do you, I mean, here's my question. Do you think that, that small towns that are looking for development, right? Like they're, they're small They've not had much commercial growth. They've not had much population 750. growth. 750. 
There's nothing going on. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Do you think they're more apt to try and encourage growth by, in other words, like an hour, remember I was telling, so one of our towns is trying to say, hey, we don't want any travel and tourism budget. We, we want to pull that back. We don't want you people coming in here. That's not what we're looking for. Is it possible that, that you know, they have revenue and they have lots of tourism, so they're like, I don't want to do that. Whereas a town that's 750 strong with no tourism is going to be like, whatever we can get. Well, we've got tourism, though. Do you? 10 miles north, we got a lake. Right. So we get, you know, a lot of camper, boat traffic all right. summer long. Right. So we... and Is that the, a huge part of your revenue, though? Do you, Is that a chunk of your customers? I wouldn't say it's a chunk. Yeah. But with my car wash, I'm hoping it will be a chunk because I'm right on the main yeah. artery up. There. And I guess you do have businesses that support all the traffic that comes in and out, yeah. so that you do have something there. But I mean, I I've put tires on campers, I've put axles under them because nobody pays attention to that. They look yeah. up, I'm going camping. Right. Huh. You get about there, my wheel fell off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and and you know we see a little bit of that too, and and it sucks because like. It really comes down to, hey, we're ruining someone's vacation, right? The the one that I hate the most is the they RV. They ruin their own vacation. I'm not saying we have to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah, that's not going to be The wheel falling this. off is the bearer of bad news. <laughs> that's not going to be this afternoon. Yeah, that would be bad news. Yeah. And, and, you know, the RVs, man. If you knew how many people had showed up in my shop and wanted to sleep in an RV at my shop. And wanted to be in the RV when I was working on it. I will never forget this. This couple came in one time. <laughs> what? I'm, I, and and it was before I knew to set set rules. rules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so uh, I'll never forget. I was putting a belt on a 454 in like an old Chevrolet motorhome. And it started rocking. No, and oh. and <laughs> she's she's putting a cheeseburger on a plate for me beside me, and I'm eating the cheeseburger as I'm putting the belt on. And she's over here cooking cheeseburgers and French fries and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I was super appreciative, you know. I mean, looking back, that was a pretty cool experience. But you know, I would call that experience ridiculous. <laughs> we tried working on a, a little camper, little uh, one-ton camper type thing. Yeah, one time it was. Man, I good. hate them. Not good. I don't I mind them, but they usually just keep pulling. Yeah, you know, tire blows, keep going. Yep. Wheels sitting there wobbling, keep, keep going. going. Yeah, I had a ninety-year-old World War II veteran making his way across country to go to Washington D.C. Had a big like one-ton Dodge diesel pulling this itty-bitty camper. Like ten miles outside town, he blew the tire. He didn't know it nothing behind this truck yeah he keeps going they find somebody finally flagged him down because he's just throwing sparks out. oh wow it literally like the cup of the rim was gone all that was left was the little white spokes oh that's crazy. and the only reason that was left because that was down to the drum or the hub yeah wow and it ground off the u-bolts it was all shoved back by the time he got to town we got it down to the shop and because I was able to, I, I took a C-clamp and held the uh, the axle to the spring, mm -hmm. 
put this was able to put the spare on and just limp it to town. Yeah. And you know, he he's like, Well, I ain't letting this stop my trip. Right. He's like, fix it, whatever it takes. I'll stop back through on my way back. Right. So it was there for like three, four weeks. Finally oh. he comes back and it scoops it up. Well, you know, I think it's pretty interesting. So me and you met through our coaching group, right? Yeah. I, we may have met before that. I think we met before that. Probably, Probably. a IGONC. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. But, but so, you know, it's been kind of neat to watch things change for you, right? Because, like, I remember when you first came in, you didn't want to do any marketing. I'm not. I shouldn't say you didn't want to, but you weren't doing any marketing. And I'm still not. <laughs> In, in in some ways, you were kind of like I, I guess the best way I know to explain it is you were in a way on cruise control, right? Would yeah. that would you agree oh, with yeah. that? And like, so you were just chilling, doing your thing, having a good time. What's been your takeaway? And and I, I'm not necessarily talking about that exact coaching group. I'm talking about like, a what what made you want to start changing the business? What what was the motivating factor that like, hey, I want more? I ain't got no money. <laughs> I mean, I'll be straight up honest. I have it'll be fifteen years in August, right? I've built nothing. I mean, yeah. I've paid my bills. I've had techs. I pay my tech more than I take out. Yeah, I, dude. I you know, I you know, I there's no end in sight if I keep on the same path, right? And now I have a tough time with change. So yeah, I mean, things have changed. But I'm still not where I need to be or I should be. What's changed? The profitability. I, I've done better with fewer cars, but I haven't come over that growth of, you know, now I have profit. Right. That's what I don't have yet. I mean, it's it's there, and I'm kind of in this bad spot where I think, or I think I'm in this bad spot because... I've got my EIDL that I'll have to start paying back here shortly. If I, and honestly, I don't know, maybe I probably shouldn't be paying on it already. I, I haven't figured nah, that out. government can get their money when they get their money. I haven't, I haven't figured that aspect out yet. But, right. but um, you know, I, I'm riding, you know, real fine line. I mean, last year I had some really great months, but then we had some other months where, you know, and most of it's just my mind wasn't in it. And, right. You know, I kind of got really excited about this property project. Right. And, you know, the shop's not supporting the purchase of the property. Right. Because I set up a separate LLC for my building long ago, so the shop right. pays rent. And so there's enough wiggle room there that that's taking care of that, plus the little bit of rental income with what's up there now. So... I got to get myself because this is going to be a massive, expensive project, and yeah. not that the shop needs to support it because I believe the the, the numbers are there for the storage and the car wash side of it to support itself. But I got to start making some money, or I'm right. never going to have any retirement or anything like that. So you know, a while back, um, and and Kyle right was the motivation. Uh, Logue. And so, you know, I'm watching the things he's doing. He's buying properties, doing things to be profitable and other things. And Tom Shearer is probably one of my closest friends. And Tom came to me and he's like, 
you need to sit the hell down. And you need to slow the hell down. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, look. And we, we sat down and we talked about the numbers of my new shop. And he said, look, if you would just optimize what you're doing right now, like the need for this other stuff's not there. Right, like you wouldn't have to kill yourself and go buy a rental property here and go buy this and try and manage all these different things. Like if you would just work on optimizing the business you have, even what you have right now would be more than enough. But if you don't optimize it, you're just going to end up with a bunch of irons in the fire and nothing is doing anything. Well, that's where I'm at now. I've, you know, throughout the whole coaching process, it's yeah. like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. Well, I don't know if it's just my area or just me. The stuff, it don't happen as quickly as I think it should, I guess. Have or, you done it? Or well, well, I've done a little bit of everything, so I go get nowhere. I never finish anything. And that was kind of the epiphany that me and Eric had the other day. Because I know back when you were helping fill in when Rick had his yeah. back surgery, I was, you know, you know, we were talking about hiring somebody. Well, the epiphany that me and Eric had the other day was kind of, I don't, I, I can't hire anybody now. Not that I couldn't try to, but I need to, you know, figure the processes out, streamline what I've got working now, because like my, the labor side of it is where I struggle. Okay. And so, you know, I think we come up with like, we're like, 56% efficient. So, it's, okay. you know, you're almost, you know, every, you know, you're not getting kicked, you know, you're not billing the hours out as I should. So do you think it's possible that, that a technician like a, you know, and, and one of the things we've talked about on here before is like a lot of guys will, will hire a low quality technician. They will come in and they will low quality. Shouldn't be the word I use. They, they hire an experienced, inexperienced technician. Yeah. And then they, they, they bill four to six hours, right. Or whatever it is. And that's part of the problem. Right. And so hiring that really high quality technician who can come in and be like, you know, and we talked about this yesterday about a shop, not having processes and procedures. And it was something that, that the guy we interviewed was like, man, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I mean, that's great to a degree, but just bringing somebody in that can just hump the workout, you know what I mean? And can just bill eight to 10 hours a day. Yeah. You know, if the work's there. If the work's there. And yeah. and you can build an invoice and you can invoice it and you bill properly. I mean, that's 90% of it, right? Yeah, we definitely want to fix processes. We definitely want to fix yeah. procedures. But Are you disagreeing with Eric? Are you talking about Eric Bach? Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with Screw Eric. Screw that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with him. I'm, I'm more. You got to so, put everything through the New York filter. He's from New York. He doesn't know. He ain't ever been in Nebraska. He's never been to Nebraska. He doesn't even. He cannot fathom what Nebraska looks like. Nebraska <laughs> might as well be Mars. We're gonna. He's gonna send us a bunch of mean text messages <laughs> later. Um, but but my, I, I, I'm not so much disagreeing with him. But here's what I am saying is that sometimes that efficiency isn't paperwork. Sometimes that efficiency isn't process and procedure. Sometimes it's having somebody in the bay that will put at, their head down and work. At the same time, though, we we just talked to the gentleman yesterday. What was his name? The mobile guy from Arkansas. He, with the Arkansas? 
I Quitted? Wish, I, dude, how many times have we been over this? Like, I, I'm terrible it, with names, too. I feel bad. Anyway, I remember the Arcanese comment, the quitted. I quitted that day. Anyway, I, I, he, he was talking about he was talking about processes, and he's, he said he walked into a shop with no Zach, onboard it's Zach. Zach. I, I talked okay. to Zach three and four times a week. You don't remember my name. It, it is what it is. I, I'm just saying, he just walked into a shop. In, he walked into a shop with no onboarding process. No, there was nothing to 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 ensure that this person was successful from the get go, and so he was walking in thinking, "I'm going to have some structure here. I'm going to have some policies and procedures. I'm going to have the guardrails put up, and they're going to let me run, and I'm going to be successful." And when he walks in, they're expecting something from him. They just never articulated that to him, and so he got frustrated with them. They got frustrated with him and ended up in a blow up and he ended up quitting the whole thing. Yeah, it was and nasty. So it was, it was it nasty, was. yeah. And so, so much so that he didn't want to go back to work in the industry. He ended up coming back eventually, but on his own terms, working for himself. So, do you need to have something? Yeah, you got to have something. Yeah, of course. I, Some structure, my, a way that we do things here at our shop. That allows you to then train them on saying, because what will end up happening, uh, if you take this Bozo's advice, is you'll end up hiring somebody and and you'll get really frustrated with that person. Right. And And I agree with that. I agree with that. That's, I guess maybe I phrased it wrong. That's the issue I'll have. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to, you know, correct that issue before I bring somebody in. I I don't disagree with that. I, I think basic. Right, I think basic process and procedure. Because the problem is, is is that a lot of the stuff that we've put in as far as implementation from what we've learned from the coaching group, from what I've learned from you, a lot of that was possible because I had the opportunity to have time to do it. Right, It wasn't me turning all the wrenches. It wasn't me writing all the repair orders. And for a time, it definitely was. But, but it took time for me to be able to do those things to put those in place. And so... I think at some point you've got to like, you got to get your basics down, right? Well, see, when when we started this, you know, I think, you know, I was still trying to be a tech, be mm-hmm. an advisor, be an owner. And we kind of come to the realization, and I think it, you know, where I came to it late, that I can't, I can't be out in the shop. Yeah. I, I got to do the advisor. I got to do the owner. Yeah. Well, I mean, look and at Tobin. I, and I think I kind of skipped over the basic stuff to where yeah. all of a sudden we're more advanced stuff. And I'm like, okay, now I'm adding more stuff to this fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Tobin, right? Like that was the big thing that I kept yelling at Tobin for. He's like, what in the hell are you doing? Like you, you're, you're out here taking taking wheel. I mean, look, Tobin's calling me one day and he's like, I'm taking these wheels and tires over here across town to get them balanced. I'm like, dude. Like, what's your service advisor doing? Well, I don't know. Who, who's dispatching the work in the shop? Well, I don't know. Right? Like, he wasn't doing any of the ownership stuff. There was no system. There was no, like, anything. Yeah. Dude, you're telling me how awful everything is, but you're not doing anything. Also, like, balancer's really cheap. You can pick one up for 500 bucks. Well, I know. But, I mean, it, it, the point was is he wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. He, he was doing what he wanted to do, not what he needed to do. Yeah, and, and so, you know, I, I've been there. Well, and that's... Where I've gotten to be where it's, I'm really starting to realize now it's it's on my shoulders to get the basic stuff figured out. and and Some of it is just letting go, though. 
Yeah, and and like it's fe- a control like issue. February, we did really well. I mean, not as good as we could have, but I want to say, let's see, what did I have? We looked at the numbers between January and February was like one, like hundred eighty. No, it wasn't even one eighty. It was like one sixty for hours. You know, we do the four day work week. Mm-hmm. So I forget how many days days it was, but you know, like January we had like fifty hours built out. Now February we were you know one hundred and eight, hundred and ten, somewhere in there. So, but I was really focused. There was one week where I was, I was kind of sick for a few days, so that kind of threw my February off some. You know, which it wouldn't have made it you know to where I was getting that ten hours a day, but. February's hours were a lot better improved. And I know what, you know, last year when I had my kick-ass months, I was really focused. So let me ask you, when when you say that the hours improved, what what changed? What did you do differently? Was it billing properly? I, was it? I that's a big part of it. You know, where okay. I fo- you know, I paid attention, you know, okay, this this is going to take more time bill that out where prior, you know, months it's like book time book time book time and then it's you know one and a half hours well it took three well it only pays one and a half right and so we me and my tech had that conversation on the way down it's like okay we're gonna talk about labor time when we look at it after you look you know after you look at it how long is it gonna take you yeah we're not gonna just i'm not just gonna go Okay, it pays this much, matrix it, done. So let me ask you this. You're talking about process. What what processes have you come up with that you think you want to implement? I mean, what what are what are the basics? I mean, because here's the thing is is we have to remember there are a lot of shops right where you're at right now. Right? There's a lot of shops who feel like you feel. And I remember feeling that way. Right? I'm gonna be real with you. I, I remember feeling that way. And one of the big things that I remember about that time period in my life was it doesn't make a frick whether I do it or not, because nothing's going to happen. Right. I, I am tired. I'm burnt out. I'm spinning my wheels. It doesn't seem like no matter what I do, I can be effective. So what the hell ever. Right. Yeah. I remember feeling I, that way. I can totally relate. And so on the other side of this, like I, I really look up to Rick for this because I realize that, and we've talked about this quite a bit. <laughs> Did you see what just happened? Like, I'm, I, you have to touch him to keep him engaged. <laughs> and he goes, um, "Who's Rick? Your dad." <laughs> um, but but you know, we've talked in the past how when I started working with him, I had this list of things I wanted to fix, and we didn't fix any of that. Right? Like it was just like okay. This, 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 and this. Work on this. Do this. Right? And it was one thing at a time, and we worked on it and, like, nailed it down over and over and over again until finally that happened. And then we went to the next thing over and over and over again until it happened. Right? And I realized through that process that it was it was not that what we were doing was hard. It was that I needed to see a win to have the motivation and the energy to go to the next win. Does that make sense? In other words, oh, like yeah. to engage into the next most difficult thing. 
what are you starting with? What's your number one thing? Because I mean, a lot of these shops are like, dude, I just, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I want to do this and I don't have enough money and I don't think there's any solution. What's your first step in the process? I'm meeting with Rick after class. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean like. He'll figure it out. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I've got to get the labor figured out. Okay. The parts that that's fine. I, I quit worrying about list price, all that stuff. You know, I use the matrix. I leave it alone. Okay. You know, occasionally there might be something that I tweak a little bit, but okay. for the most part, I leave it alone. The labor is where I got to figure it out. And, okay. I, and I some of it's just, you know, the efficiency side of it out in the bay. Okay. And some of it's me not, not building it, enough. not yeah. selling it right. And, yeah. and, I mean, I see it. Right. It's there. So. Who's got a good how to build a ticket class? I don't know any good how to build a ticket class. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. hey, how, like if you're doing one tie rod end, do the other side as well. If you're doing struts, do the sway bar lengths, do the mounts. Everything needs to be tacked on top of each other. You got to give time for the mounts. We had a uh, there was a post on uh, on ASOG, and the guys like the guy was talking about how the customer was upset that the quick struts were going to be $670 or something like that. And 600 and what? Oh, it's a, it's a grand prix and I can have it done in an hour. Okay. That's great. You've had lots of practice. However, at my shop, that's 1200 bucks. Yeah. Quick struts, two plus hours in labor, soy barlings, alignment. Yep. 1200 bucks. So he shortchanged himself. Like you're saying, right? You would have yep. built out in an hour, hour and a half maybe, because they're quick struts. Maybe a little alignment, maybe. Maybe it doesn't need alignment. I know if I listen to my text, well, we would never sell an alignment ever. They hate doing them. And so he ends up shortchanging himself probably two hours of labor in there where he, he should have charged not unnecessarily, but to do the job properly, to build what the, the 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 job's worth, and to make sure that the job's complete. Yeah, yeah, and and it's the little things that you missed that you didn't think about, and you didn't get on the ticket that that really caused the efficiency problem. And and everybody, yeah. you, you've heard me say before. I think that like ninety percent of the efficiency issues are front counter, not the tags. Right, because like every single time I fixed it in my shop, it was something to do with the way we were billing. It had nothing to do with yeah. with how fast they were working, and so you know, I, at I, my shop, it's always the way we bill it. If you ask my techs, <laughs> they work at peak efficiency a hundred percent of the time. It's not the heat cycling or the poop cycling, which is what we call it. You know, I know them well. well <laughs> I'm not buying it. I mean, it. You know. We always talk about the emotional bank account. Yeah. You know, and I'm horrible for that. I mean, I I started this when I was 21. Mm-hmm. I worked a year at the dealer, and, you know, heck, when I was in college, they were trying to sell me the gas station in town because they wanted, you know, something in town. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not selling gas. Right. And I'm not giving $315,000 for it either. And, I mean, it wasn't the sh- – I mean, it's – you know, one bay. Right. It wasn't anything what I would even envision working out of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did my year down there and 
and it wasn't a good time for the dealer world because that would have been like oh six oh seven. I mean, they were we were loaded with techs. There was no work, and well, my last day was sitting there twiddling my thumbs till ten o'clock, and then the car I parked next to when I got there that morning, they pull it in. Here you go. What have I been doing for two hours? Yeah, it's like this is enough. I help my uncle. He's got a transmission shop there in 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 Norfolk, and it's like I helped him for three weeks till my roommate that was still finishing up his his college was done. We lo- loaded up, and I moved back home, and I had already had kind of the ball rolling on leasing this building. Right. You know, and I, and I guess that's you know one of my goals would be to get my uncle's shop down in Norfolk. It's an hour from me, mm-hmm. but he has no exit plan. Right. And, you know, I flat out told him, I said, well, you screwed up. I yeah. said, 15 years ago when I was helping you for that three weeks, you should have just kept me there. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yep. Well, I mean, so here you are. Like, what? what is the first thing you implement when you get back? I mean, I know you're going to go talk to Rick, right? You're going to come up with some strategies. What's your current game plan for fixing this? I mean, yeah, charge more hours, right? Sounds pretty basic. And, and well, it's going to be more than that. It's going to build the ticket correctly, right? Right. Well, so I think the biggest thing that I've ever learned, right, the most influential thing for me about the shop and how it works was its capacity, right? Because I'm I'm someone who likes optimization. I like to get the most I can get out of something, right? And so when I started kind of getting the idea of, okay, well, an ATEC can turn 8 to 12 hours a day, okay? If I've got two ATECs, that mean, means I, my max capacity is 24. And so if I'm one-to-one, $100, that's $200 an hour of capacity. That's that You know what I'm saying? And so multiply your, your labor rate, 12 hours, 4800 bucks, right, is what the shop should do today. Okay. I'm doing a thousand a day. I'm doing five hundred a day. I'm doing this, that, or the other, right? <laughs> this was, this was, this was. <laughs> we are closing that <laughs> stupid blind. How how pivotal that was for me, because it was a proven method to be able to look at it and say. I am nowhere near my potential. What piece of this has to be adjusted? What piece of this has to be twisted a little bit here? How can I get it here? Right? And Rick came and looked at the shop, and I talked to Dave, and I talked to all these people, but the reality was until I just started doing it, right? Coming up with some strategy saying, let's try this. Okay, I probably need to build more hours. Let's try this instead of that. Okay, that made a difference. That changed it. Things started happening. And then it became the game of, of fixing it, right? It became The challenge was not running the shop. The challenge was not hitting a specific dollar amount. The challenge was getting to 100% of what I had. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, like, I, I, maybe I'm different. I need a challenge. I need something yeah, to fight different. to. I would not have done that. Oh, this is this. I'm just telling you, this thing is a this thing is a perfect example. Say Tim Mini Extreme ISO. I would have gotten to the point where I could. I knew that these three buttons did this. 
And then that's it. I'm like, well, it's doing what I need it to do and nothing more. I understand that there's a thousand buttons on here. I don't know how to use any of them. I don't need to know. Don't care. These three buttons are doing what I need it to do. Done. Please don't push one of those three buttons. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, I, I would have just, just gotten enough functionality out of it to then, so, then move on to the next thing. Like I, I, that's, as, that's as interested as I'm ever going to be on that. And I'll just... This this camera, that camera does so many cool things. Don't care. I just, I can follow, muddle my way through the menu just enough to get it to play what I needed to play, and then that's it. I'm not an optimization kind of person. Like, I don't. What about you? What are you? Are you an optimization kind of person? Or are you just, hey, get me is, like, I'm good with the bare minimum? I mean. Well, I've been good with the bare minimum for the last 15 years, and it's not working. So. Right, like so, all I mean, of a sudden, I mean, it, I mean, it's working, but I'm just scraping by. Right, you know, I I got other stuff I want to do, obviously. So, what, so let's talk about that. What's your motivation for not just scraping by? What What is it you hope to accomplish? What What's the motivating factor that says I'm going to do something different? I just, I mean, I want more freedom. You know, freedom to do what. Well, I'm on the fire department, and I, I feel burned out there, you know, just because I'm work working the shop, and I I can't do I'm not doing my anything firefighter related during the day, other than you know if I've got to go on a call, but there's still a lot of paperwork and stuff that falls on my shoulders, and so it's like I need to get that done. Our scholarship one of our scholarship winners, Jason, yeah. is a is a full time firefighter. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to be a firefighter. He wants to be a shop owner. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm okay with this. We don't have a ton of calls or nothing. It's not, I mean, it's, I guess you could say it's full time because I'm always on call, but, yeah, right. you know, I, I, I enjoy doing it. So it, I, I want to have some more time to kind of help streamline the department. Okay. Right. You know, and I, I mean, we've been trying to get some, a satellite fire hall built and, trying to get property to build a new one in town, which nobody listened to me. Yeah. I think I made that comment on the Facebook post. <laughs> like, well, I don't know what I'll talk about, but whatever I talk about, nobody's going to listen to me anyway. <laughs> well, uh, you but, know, but I mean, it's, you know, I just, I want to get, I want the shop profitable. Right. And I mean, so I basically at that point of, you know, just getting by hasn't worked so see where you would optimize like you would see i've got x amount of space yep and i have this level of tech i think i can bill out six to eight hours a day whatever happens to be and then you would like hone in on that number i would look at it and say i want to spend more time with the fire department what do i need to do to get there and it would be okay i need a service advisor yep and i need a minimum of two techs because with two techs and a service advisor, if they were billing them a minimum of four hours a day, each tech, I can, I could get six to eight out of one, but just in case, it, there's more flexibility with two. If somebody gets tied up with something, whatever, I, I have more flexibility. So I would then hire the one tech, the extra to have two, and then I would start looking for the service advisor, get them up to doing eight to ten hours 
both of them and then leave. <laughs> so, you know, and, and the problem. And, I, and I'm running and, at 40 and, or 50% of capacity. I, yes. I think I've given Rick's my, Rick my numbers and he just, he looks at me and he goes, what? what? I'm not there most of the time, dear. <laughs> so it, it, here, here's, here's the thing is that. That to to walk away from it and it still work, it has to have process, policy, and procedure, right? You, you they have to know like to do this. And and I know how much your phone rings today. How many times have you heard my phone ringing at Shannon calling like, hey, what should I do about this? Right? Not. Nah, I mean, he's called one time the entire time we've been here and been like, hey, yeah, this is up. We need to deal with this. Um, so to to walk away and it do what it does without being stressful, you need process, policy, and procedure. Now, you know what you're saying. And, and Dutch and I have talked about this. There's this, uh, and I can't remember the dude's name, Dan Grider. He's a, he's a, like, had a bunch of friends that died in private aviation because of the way they teach aviation to general aviation as opposed to commercial pilots, right? Okay. And so commercial pilots, they teach minimums, right? You don't go below minimums. Hell or high water. Not below minimums. Okay. Right? Whereas general aviation, they don't really, like, dig into that as much. They're talking about maximums and and all kinds of other stuff, but they don't talk as much about the minimums. Like, stay above the minimums. Right? If you stay above the minimums in, in that configuration, you're okay. Okay. Not going to fall out of the sky, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but but so I the reason I say that is because they put so much focus on the limits, the minimum and the maximum. Does that make sense? And so for me, I I guess Rick never taught me to even consider minimums. And a, a coach doesn't talk about minimums. And the reason being is it's their job to drive pre, you to the maximum. That's a that's a uh, that's a personality type that's already ingrained in you. I think. Well, I mean, it may- the, my school career. Mm-hmm. Like you said you went to college. Uh, I dropped out of college. I also dropped out of high school. Do you know what my grades were? The bare minimum. What do I need to pass this? Do I need to show up for this test? I mean, you could probably, you should probably be here. Uh, the math says I don't need to be here. I don't need to be here. I'm not going to be here. I don't need to. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're, you're focused on, your focus is the minimums. Right? Your focus is like, and, and you will be okay at the minimums. You could go on for eternity at the minimum. Right, just like flying an airplane. If if you're above minimums, as long as you're at the minimums or above them, I think I would. I'll put still some get buffer. there. Right? No, I'll still get there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think I'd put some buffer in there. Maybe just the the uh oh buffer. But but my point in saying that is is that I, I, not only was I raised that way, but when Rick coached me, I was coached to focus on the maximums, not the minimums, not the break even. Right, not not to know what the minimum I had to it's have. It's hard to for me to was. think. I, I can't. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I I know. I know the number. I know what I need. To, like I know. And yeah, do you strive for more? It's nice to have, but it's not what I need, and therefore I don't care. But you've got a rich wife. The rest of us don't. Find a rich wife. <laughs> Is that an option? My girlfriend works at a chicken farm. I don't know what chicken farm is. What is that? Big buildings full of chickens. 
Oh, ate like a chicken farm, like a big. Yeah. Hey, he Does was going to own the chicken farm. No. Hey, listen, mm-hmm. he was getting ready to ask you if they had chicken sandwiches. I, no, they only they only have the chickens there. For the, the raw eggs. product. Oh, just the eggs. They just the eggs. When they're done there, then they go for their next stage of life, dog food. Okay, so rich, rich Turn wine. Into dog food? They don't fatten them up for, like, commercial eat um. No. These aren't chickens you'd eat. Why not? Are they stringy? Have you had one? They're, they're, no, because they grind them up for dog food. <laughs> you want to try it? <laughs> Buy some dog food. <laughs> don't give him any ideas. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> so, you know, what do you think? I mean, is it minimums? Is it, is it focus on minimums just to – I mean, it sounds like that's where – which I don't even want to say that's where you've been, right? You've been making it, but it doesn't even sound like it's on the minimums. It sounds like it's below minimums. Here lately, it's been below minimums. Now, when it's the break even, I get – I guess, you know, I, I went a lot of years. I didn't pay myself. I just basically lived within the business. So, and, you know, this was, I'm trying to think when I bought my house. You know, basically when I bought my house, you know, before that I lived with my parents. And, I mean, it, it was a long ways to work. It was across the alleyway. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I mean, and, and back then, you know, I went in at six in the morning. I I came in in at midnight, you know. So I literally lived within the business, and I had no expenses because all my expenses were just the business. Well, so it didn't really matter if you didn't. If I didn't pay myself, I didn't pay myself because the business paid my bills, anything personal, and beyond that. Well, it sounds like you were uh, that was at least keeping you busy, and that was enough for you. As far as I mean, I'm like you were, you were, satisfied. yeah, you, you were, were satisfied with. You were satisfied with it because if you weren't, you would have at like. It sounds like you're no longer satisfied with it. You want to do more within the fire department. You want to do more with the business. You want to own several pieces of commercial property. You want to build a storage unit. You want to. You're no longer I've, satisfied I've with. Always the, wanted to do a lot of that other stuff. It was just before it it worked, and now it don't. Was there a change? Did something happen that changed it? I just, I guess I just looked at it and, you know, I listened to the other shop owners, you know, grumble how they don't make no damn money. Right. And kind of just you know, slipped so it's it just under like, the rug. Oh, so this is what it is, you know. Do but you, but I, I guess, you know, my uncle that's got the transmission shop, you know, he also does, he's also got a lot of different commercial property investment storage units of, uh, mini malls, that sort of stuff. So that's, you know, I, I'm just assuming here, but I think that's what he's done successful with. So you look at that and want to emulate that. He's only, he's always grumbling about, you know, the shop isn't what it used to be. Right. You know, but back in the eighties they did, you know, they were rebuilding the transmissions for the dealers. Right. Well, then they cracked down on that. So, you know, that was a gold mine, I think. And that's what, allowed him to and so in, in other stuff 
instead of looking at it and saying, "Hey, I want to emulate," or, or you know, "I want to, I want to avoid this," or "I want to change this," so this isn't a problem. Like, does it mean there's changes coming in every business, right? Like, you know, it, you you talk about um, car sharing, for instance, for the automotive business. You you talk about um, COVID nineteen for movie theaters. There's always a challenge right around the corner. You may know it's coming. You may not know it's coming. It's life, right? Yeah. And so you want you want the business to be agile enough to move and groove and go where it needs to go to continue to be profitable. The dealers quit bringing transmissions. Okay, well the business isn't profitable. What do I what do I have to do to change it? And and I'm I hope I don't get Rick hitting me over the head with his cane over this. Um, I think one of my biggest beefs. And I'm not talking about his group. I'm talking about in in any of these groups. My biggest beef is the people who never take action and never change. Right? I'm unhappy. I don't like where I'm at. Things aren't going the way I expect them to go. This isn't working. But, like, they never... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why Rick wants to have a sit down with me <laughs> after class. No, no dude. Look, look I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm, I'm talking about there are people in some of these groups who I've known for six years now, who have never, like it's the same problems over and over and over again. At some point, it becomes a choice. Yeah. And like Rick accused me one time, he's like, you're in love with your problems. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He's like, you must love them so much because you won't, like the the answer. And for those of us who have had the problem and solved it, we recognize that the solution's right over there. Right? Like it's literally right fucking in front of you. It's right there. And all it takes is like two or three little changes. Well, I'm scared of it. It's not. That's where I am. I mean, mean, that that is literally what, you know, I've talked to multiple members of the group and probably even you. It's my fear. You know, I started to try to write an ad for a tech. Mm -hmm. Copywriting stuff just kind of. Right over my head. I think I sent you those. Yeah, you sent me that stuff when we were down in Florida. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm just going through it. And I'm like, and, and it's not so much the fear of hiring somebody. It's it's like David said, you know, I you know I have no onboarding process. So I, I, I'm looking at the writing on the wall. Well, I can hire somebody. But I'm going to end up with the same problem I have with having one guy now. I really have not given him the expectation that I have you know i want you know we work 10 hour days now i i understand i'm not after after like we were saying about the maximum what is it capable of 12 14 hours a day that'd be nice if i can get it to eight that works right That, that gets it to where i can make money yeah you know, and, and being in a small town, I know, you know, I don't have, you know, the huge, you know, number of people and number of cars, you know, rolling through as more populated areas. Right. And, and I guess, you know, I, that's one reason I'd kind of like my, you know, get into my uncle's shop someday is, you know, there I'm going from a town of 750 to 25,000. And and to me, that town is, is like... On on the verge of you know every every shop owner practically in that town is at that 
you know, close to retirement age. So none of them have exit plans. So let me ask you this though: is it is it possible that we continue to look at if I could do this, I would do that. If I could do this, then this would be possible, right? And and it it becomes this constant theoretical. If this would happen, if I if I could just do this, then I would do that, right? Like it's almost like creating an excuse that when this one thing, if if this one thing would just happen, that's when I'll do this. But that one thing never happens, so we never do that, right? I'm never going to take action because there's always a reason I'm not taking action. And at some point, I mean, like, I look at these owners, and you know a lot of them, too. Don't give me that look. I don't know. We know these owners who never, ever, 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 ever overcome it. They spend... That seems like a miserable way to live. Like, never growing outside of that. Never... They're comfortable. Yeah, but see... They're comfortable with their problems. They're comfortable with their problems, but, but it's not sustainable. Like, if it's sustainable, that's one thing. But if it's... Sustainable in what sense? He was just talking about his uncle who... Had dealerships sending them transmissions until they didn't. But he's still in business, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he made it work. 42 years. Of 42 course. two years. But I'm saying financially. If it's not sustainable financially, eventually you run out of money. <sighs> Maybe. I mean, it's like it's like the minimums. If you're that close to the minimums in an airplane and something happens and you lose some airspeed, you fall out of the sky. That That is true. That you don't give yourself a lot of cushion, you don't give yourself a lot of wiggle room. Right. I mean, I, I, will, I will say I I operate on that ragged edge. I do. I do I too. Operate on that. I definitely edge. do. And they say, like, what, are, what are you talking about? You just went on this diatribe about the, the optimized blah blah blah. I'm I'm still there. I'm still there. And I, I what what just happened? What was something on my shirt? <laughs> I, I you know they here, here's and the reason I say that is they say. Financial professionals say that you ha- should have six months of operating expenses in a savings account. That's crazy. Right? I mean, I don't, I don't have I don't that. have six months. Yeah. I, I barely, I probably months. don't have a month in an operating, or in a, in a savings account. The, the only thing I will say is that uh, I did see a need to get more savings in there just in case you end up with another COVID-19 situation where they shut you down. Yeah. I mean. It, did you get shut down in, in Nebraska? See? Or right, I moved Nebraska. to Nebraska. They don't listen. They don't have no, rules in Nebraska. We, part, we, Western Kansas didn't shut down. Nebraska it was just was like practically the reason things shut down after Vision two years ago. Oh, really? We had girls state basketball, and and maybe not country wise, but what caused Nebraska to shut down? Well, we had girls state basketball the same weekend as Vision. Well, a student comes back supposedly with COVID. He's got other health issues. And I whether it was COVID or whether it wasn't, I don't know. But they blamed, you know, it was COVID. And all of a sudden, boom, school shut down. So, so like, our girls' state basketball is supposedly what shut everything. shut everything down. So my question for you is this. I'm sure you're coming to another trade show, right, soon. Maybe you coming to AST this year? Okay. I left with like $160 in my checking account. 
I'm probably overdrawn right now. <laughs> so no, David is definitely overdrawn. Uh, overdrawn right now. And savings to cover it. <laughs> um, so let's have a little my, wiggle room. My, my bank, banker jumped, jumped me, you know, earlier in the week, and or it might have been last week. You know, if I wanted to get a line of credit set up again, because you know, with all everything else I'm doing, he's like. It'd be best if you're not turning up, you know, all the time on, you know, no money in your account. And most of that's just, you know, I run a really fine line. You know, I'd have four or five days of deposits. Go drop off. Boom, I'm right back up. I I, I, I was there for many, many years. Do you, got, do you not have customers paying with a credit card? I sent out like 50 bills before I left. Small town mentality. So that was a Kurt a big, Nadler a, thing. A big issue with me is you left the, the car. Flow. Yeah, yeah. The car that goes. They don't what? leave my shop, and we're small town what? America. They don't no, leave no, my no. shop. This is a different level of small town America, dude. I, I, when I went up to the Nadlers, I'm not kidding. The car after car would come in and out, in and out. And I'm like, you haven't collected any money. He's like, oh, they'll pay me. When? Oh, I'm not that worried about it. It was like $90,000, wasn't it? it? It was, I don't know if that was that much, but it was a huge chunk of money he still had floating out. And they just. They didn't even know some of it. I yeah, think. yeah. Well, I, I printed off my, in or my statements before I left, and I give them to my mom, and she folds them and stuffs them all <laughs> for me, and. <laughs> I, I I put the stamps and you know the local you know like the lumber but that's, yard up that's front. The problem, I dropped that like off. At some point, stuff. you gotta go. I can't operate like this. Well, and I'm seeing that big time right now because uh, for February it was like twenty seven, twenty eight thousand in sales, and I'm sending out statements for twenty five thousand. So, yeah, yeah dude, like, that's you, it's like, that's insane. Like I, 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 I remember, I remember being in a spot financially like that. And dude, now if my account drops below fifty thousand dollars, my heart goes pitter patter. I'm getting upset. I'm getting nervous. I've never seen fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, like, I and I mean, it, it will. Like, it drops. I'm not saying it's always. I spend fifty thousand dollars, you know, in a month expenses. If I don't have those fifty thousand dollars coming in, dude, I yeah, you're dude. You know you what I'm saying? That, and I, I'm paying out every day, every single day. I'd, so in twenty two to twenty five business days in a month, you you're you got to think you're cutting checks for two thousand dollars every single day. Yeah, exactly. And so that two thousand has to come back, and then a little bit extra. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you go, I like I couldn't. No. Well, and see that one or two days. And see, that's where I'll run into the issue here. This, you know, in March is. Dude, I, I no, I mean, I the tenth is what next Thursday. Or, yeah, I'm. I'm so. telling you right now. I, if I when I if I were you and I went home, that stops like now. Yeah, like no ifs ands or buts about it. I don't do that. I'm sorry. Like when we get done with your vehicle, you have to pay. Sorry, right? You can sign up for CB charge. You can sign up for. Snap, snap, whatever you need to, but like right now, when you leave, you pay. Well, yeah. and and it's usually not an issue of them not being able to pay. It's, it's just that's the way they've always just, done things. Yeah, you know. Yeah, these were old farmers and, that are coming and, in that had plenty of money. 
Yeah. Well, the dude, the dude with the truck that I was convinced was not going to pay wanted to pay over months and months and months. And well, I, the the tractor store lets me do that. Yeah. Right. I, I get it, but I mean, like, I don't see how a business model can be sustainable like that. In the a handshake used to mean something. Yeah. It does not anymore. Right. And and the thing is, if something happens to one of them, I mean, God forbid somebody dies owing you five thousand dollars. I got a story. <laughs> well, you might as well tell it. You're here. <laughs> so years ago, I had a pickup in 92F250 or something like that. Yeah. You know, I had to check the heater on it. Right. And, you know, it had heat. Right. He drove around with the dog all the time. Well, literally the outside of the evaporator, you know, I had to pull the fan out under the hood. Was covered in. Was covered in dog hair. You know, so I cleaned that out, blew as much as I could, got it cleaned up. He disappeared while it was in the shop. All right. So he had his old man's truck. We didn't find him for six months. He had been, they, they had gotten calls. He, if Illinois, he was all over the country. All right. He was just on south side town in, the, in a farm pond. That gun. He just heading home one night and had too much to drink and. Went, into the went, went off the road and through the fence and across the field and into the pond. So did you get did paid? You, well, his, his dad actually come in and paid me. But I let the vehicle go to his wife because she she's like, I need four-wheel drive. It's wintertime. This is all I got for four-wheel drive. And I'm like, what do I do here? <laughs> do you get paid? I got paid. You get paid. That's okay. that, that's what you do there. Yeah, like, like, okay, I'm, well, I mean, I'm sorry that you're. Well, I mean, she wasn't going to pay me. You know, I let her have the truck, and I knew his dad, and I knew he'd take care of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing, but but you know, here's the the moral of the story is like you know, man, especially you moved to that other town. Yeah, you move into that town at twenty five thousand. Don't you dare do anything. Like oh no, that. Yeah. I mean, it's not even feasible. Yeah. I, I I think if I were you, I'd go home. Like if if there was one thing I was going to change about your business, I'd go yeah. home and I'd fix the hours and I'd fix that. I yeah that you pay me when you pick your vehicle up. That'll make all the difference in the world. Those two things. Yep. Yeah. The three hundred percent rule. You know, and some of that, rule. and you know, a lot of the pay, getting paid is on me because I won't get the ticket done right away. I'll get it done. It what might not are be. Are you talking? I know, I know. I, I do everything, you know, opposite of what I'm supposed to do. Now I'll get it done. It might not be that day. It'll be the next morning because I do enter my okay. Now I'm going to get the butt chewing. Okay, all right, all right. So, so let's talk about this. Client comes into the shop and says, "Michael, I've got squeaky brakes. I've got squeaky brakes." So Michael goes to his computer and he types in, client states, brakes squeak. Only when going downhill. Only when cold in the morning. Okay? Michael puts on a brake evaluation. Mrs. Client, today we're going to be doing a brake system evaluation for your automobile. We're going to check over 15 different items on this brake system evaluation. And your total out the door today will be approximately $140. Mrs. Client, I need you to sign on the dotted line. Okay? We'd be at like 60 to say. Forty dollars would be like sixty bucks. I, 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 hundred forty bucks, whole hour, right? And so she signs off on it, 
And I take that piece of paper and I put it up and I send the repair order to the technician. It shows him how much time's on. Now, this is important for a reason. I've got a message in my inbox where a technician is working for a shop and they said, hey, go look at this. And he says, okay, how much does it pay? Because there's nothing on the ticket. Oh, 0.5. Okay. He goes and he does the job and they send it back and it's got a bunch of other stuff on it and the time seems really low and it doesn't have the 0.5 on it. And he's like, hey, what's up with this? And they're like, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we just rolled it all into one. So I said, hey, go look at all data and see if that's true. It's like, nah, dude, all data calls for like 5.6 hours for all this and they've got 3.2 on it. Okay, ask for your pay sheet so you see how many hours. Oh, we don't do that here. Do you know how the technician feels? He feels like he's getting screwed. Yeah. All right. So now Michael transfers the ticket to the technician. The technician has to make documentation. Front brake pads, three millimeter. Rear brake pads, one millimeter. Needs pads and rotors all the way around. Caliper condition, rotors. Yep, exactly. Okay. So he transfers it back to Michael. Michael writes the estimate. Mrs. Client. To properly repair your vehicle, it's going to be $947.63. I can have you back on the road tomorrow. Does that sound good to you? Good. Okay, I'll go ahead and mark down that you've authorized this repair. Here's some additional things I think we should talk about. All right? And then she comes in. You ask her to sign on the dotted line. Here's your total price. Here's the work that was done. Explain everything. Here's our warranty. Now, that'll be $943.67. Right? She gets a copy. You get a copy. And we're done. That's how you make a repair order. You do not do it the next day. Because if it's not on paper, it's a lie. And and the problem is, is, yeah, I think it's great that you trust people like that. But the one time somebody pulls out and something isn't right, somebody gets hit and killed, and your insurance company says, uh, What did you touch? Right. We had a, we had a truck that uh, wheel fell off. Wheel came off. Not the stud, the wheel studs. Not the lug nuts came off the, the wheel studs and the wheel came off. The the entire wheel came off the hub. The the bearings had come apart. It was a two-wheel drive Ford pickup. The guy was only going about 26 miles an hour, but the car then veers off, hits a pole, knocks down the, the city's pole. The city wants $30,000 to fix their pole. And he calls me and he says, you guys were the last ones to touch the truck. Now. I called my insurance company and I said, what do you want me to do here? <laughs> and they said, we want to see the video. We want the documentation. What did you do? What did you touch? This, that, and the other. What saved me was that we had adjusted the wheel bearings on the right side and didn't document touching the left. And that part of my QC process was to tighten the retighten and recheck lug nut uh, torque. And so they came back and they said, According to everything that we've got here, all the documentation, here it is. They didn't touch the left-hand side. That wheel bearing was, at that time, fine. Something happened to it. It broke apart. Not our fault. And we didn't, we didn't end up paying a dime. And they're still a good customer to this day. Everything was cool. Everything was cool. Because it was on paper. It was on paper. And had right. I let them go, and they were like, I'll write out the invoice later, this, that, and the other. And then, you know, a couple hours later, they end up smashing in the light pole. I'm on the hook for thirty thousand dollars. Your insurance goes up ten thousand dollars. My insurance goes up ten thousand dollars a year. But I get what he's saying, dude. I'm not kidding. It was it was to the T the exact same thing what was happening, and it blew my mind. Kurt was like, I'm "Like, what just happened here? Oh, I'll just finish that invoice tomorrow." I'm like, 
What did you do? I told him I fixed the heater. But what did you do to the heater? Well, I replaced this hose and that part and this, that. And I'm like, well, why isn't it on paper? It's like, oh, I'll get to it. That, that, while that, some clients still have that expectation, I think at the end of the day, it can relate to us being considered grease monkeys. And the reason I say that is this, is because I'm, I'm really... It's old farming community like mentality. These guys that were coming in were good old boys, like farmers. Gas station, filling up, charge it. Yeah. yeah. And I get that, but, but I think my biggest concern is, or my biggest fear, is that when you get into a scenario like this... That documentation's no longer present. That that communication of the concern, that authorization of the repair costs. Vehicles have gotten too complex to get away with with the way things were done. Yeah, in well, in the middle of Nebraska back forty years ago. And, like, and and along with you know having that discussion with my text that we're going to talk about, you know what you think you need for hours on this versus me coming up with it. It, that's going to include the because I don't even give a written RO to him. I go out in the shop, and yeah, check the brakes on this one. Well, and and so that that's that's a big problem because now there's no communication, right? You got to have that communication. And there's inconsistency, yeah, in the process. Exactly, and then on on the backside of that, so no consistency, no documentation of concern. Um, Lots of miscommunication. We write down ROs very clearly, and we still have miscommunications make boo-boos, yeah. right? So I know it's got to be happening. Happens all the time at our shop. I told yeah. them to do It's like, dude, if it's not on paper, it didn't happen. Yeah. It's got to be on paper. You have to have it written down. Exactly. And and then at the end of the day, that documentation, it, it, it absolutely circumvents the 300% rule that fixes 90% of the problems we see yeah. in shops today. Right, you are absolutely circumventing the one process that all of us, all the shop owners, know will fix ninety percent of the issues in the shop, and that's the three hundred percent rule. Yep. Cool. So I need to quit charging my groceries at the grocery store. Yes, I would lead by example. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, so convenient. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.